thank you so much for being here this morning and for welcoming me here. Casey, I think it a little bit. All right. I've got a heartbeat. I've got respiration. I am thrilled about being with you here this morning at the Garden City Chaplain Retreat. This is a special, special place to me. Uh, it's been that way longer than the 15 years, 16 years I've served as the area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here on the Grand Strand. We have our FCA retreats here every November and every March and November for middle school students and every March for high school students. And I have seen literally thousands of kids come through these doors. I counted them up last week just to kind of have a have a guesstimation of what it was, and I've seen 7,500 students come through these doors and sit in those chairs in the last 15 years. 7,500 students from around the state of South Carolina, and I've seen at least 1,500 students confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, forgiver and leader. Isn't that wonderful? So yay God, Garden City Chapel. This is a special place for me, but it's, ta it's, been, it's been longer than 15 years it's been special for me. You see, about 50 years ago, when I was 11 years old, I sat right back there, about middle way back where most of you were sitting, with my family on vacation, and I used to listen to Reverend Norton preach, and I used to think, was it a dream? Was it a vision? I used to think about what it would be like to stand up on that stage behind that lectern and tell Bible stories in a creative and warm and applicable way like Reverend Norton did it. I used to think of that. And so here today is the fulfillment of a dream for me. So let me just take a moment and relish my dream, all right? All right, on to the good stuff. If you brought a copy of God's Word, look in Ephesians chapter 2. Put your eyeball and your finger on verse 4. We'll look at verses 4 through 10. Today, I want us to answer the question, what's so amazing, what's so special about grace? What's so special about grace? Before we read that text, let me get you to help me. Now, there are not a lot of you out there, so you've got to help me, okay? Help me complete these great old American success statements. Are you ready? Help me complete these statements. There's no such thing as a free, I heard somebody say it, lunch. Thank you so much for being awake. How about this one? We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. Good. How about this one? From the high school weight room, no pain, no good. How about this one? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, it is. How about this one from the Bible? You reap what you sow. And if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. That was from the Bible too, from the book of James. I'm reminded of that Texas Sunday school class. And those old ranchers are sitting around in a circle, and they're all sharing their favorite Bible verses. One speaks up, and he says, mine's over there in the Old Testament, where it says, God helps those that help themselves. Another one spoke up, and he said, no, 
Mine's over there in second opinion somewhere where it says, grin and bear it. Now, gang, those two verses are not in the Bible. But surprise, surprise, we relate to God as though they were. You know we do. You see, work, effort, sweat, performance, the hustle, do-gooderism, the great American religious work ethic, we can relate to it. And it's a great way to relate to our work, but it is a sorry way to relate to God. Because God doesn't relate to us that way. The Bible says that God relates to us and everything God does in our lives and every blessing we have in our lives, starting and most importantly with salvation, comes by grace as a free gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it or work for it. Even our morality and holiness, which are very important, they are a response to God's grace, not a requirement for it. Bible gang is very clear. God seeks us and saves us and seals us and secures us and strengthens us and stabilizes us and shares with us by His grace. Everything in this life and the next that's good is a gift from God. That's grace. Look at Ephesians 3, verses 4 through 10. 1 through 3 of Ephesians 2 is the bad news. The bad news that we were dead in our trespasses and sins before Christ. That we followed after the devil. That we wanted what we wanted. That we lived according to the lust of our flesh that we had our own desires and fulfilled them, and that we were by nature children of wrath. That is the bad news. That is the darkness. But look at verse 4. Here is the light. Here is the grace. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive, (laughs) made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we now are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now mark out clearly and carefully and completely verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is 
the gift of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 10a says, Whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out such kindness and grace upon me. And John 1.16 says, From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So, beloved Garden City Chaplain, our special guest this morning, it is all of grace. I want to help us to understand grace today in a simple and understandable way. You may know how to spell grace. G-R-A-C-E. But many of us have never experienced it. I want us today to experience G-R-A-C-E. I heard about a professor, Avery, at Yale University. Y-A-L-E, Yale University. It's the first day of class. And he decided to use that Yale acrostic, Y-A-L-E, to explain to his first class, first semester students what a Yale student was. Y-A-L-E. He told them that a Yale student was youthful, that he had a good attitude, that she was loyal, and that she had enthusiasm. Y-A-L-E. Now his challenge was that he spent 30 minutes on each letter in the acrostic, and he gave a two-hour speech. At the end of his speech, he asked the student on the front row what he thought, and the student said, I was just glad I didn't go to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Now, gang, we won't take that long, about 30 minutes, but I want to explain to you about grace. What is so amazing about grace? What do you think of when you think of grace? Some of us think of saying the blessing before dinner. Some of us think of smooth, elegant movement, like a dancer or a ballerina. Some of us think of a two-week grace period on an insurance contract. Some of us think of a teacher or a coach or an employer easing up on a requirement. They gave me grace. Some of us think of a blue-eyed blonde. When I think of grace, I think of a brown-haired, brown ha- a brown-haired, brown-eyed girl. One of our middle daughters, Virginia Grace. She was born October 7, 1989 at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. My parents died in a car wreck outside Dillon, South Carolina on October 7, 1979 at 5 o'clock on the after, uh, in the afternoon. Ten years to the day to the hour, our daughter Grace was born. My quiet time that morning was in the Scripture, Psalm 30, verse 4. It says that his anger may last for a night, but his grace is for a lifetime. And we named her Grace. So what do you think of when you think of grace? If you've got a pencil or a pen, jot this down in the note section of your bulletin this morning. When you think of grace, you ought to think of God's free gift. You ought to think of God's free gift. Look at verse 8a again. It says, by 
grace you have been saved. Look at verse 8c. It says, it is the gift of God. Gang, it is the total gift of God. You ask 10 people, how do you have a relationship with God? You ask 10 bikers off the street, how do you get to heaven? And you'll get the same answer. You try real hard and do your best. Well, I'm not that bad. So maybe I've got a chance. You do more good than bad. Most of us think that way. I want to be good enough to go to heaven, but bad enough to have some fun. Look at your neighbor and say, no, no way. It'll never happen. You'll never work, earn, or buy your way into heaven for one very good reason. You can't be that good. You see, heaven is a perfect place, and God is a perfect, holy God, so we can't relate to Him on our own merit because we have none. We have none. You can't be good enough to go to a perfect place with a perfect God. You stopped batting a thousand a long time ago. So you got to get to heaven. you got to have a relationship with God based on somebody else's batting average. Based on somebody else's Merit. Romans chapter 11 verse 6 says, It is by grace so that it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. It is a free gift to me. Look at the person on your right and say, Free gift. Free gift. I know you don't want to talk to the people around you, all right? Just trying to loosen you up some. Let me summarize it, gang. Every other religion, cult, or philosophy of life spells relationship with God do. Every other religion, cult, or philosophy of life spells relationship with God or heaven do, 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 do this. And do that and do obey the sacraments and do go to church and do good to your neighbor and do be baptized and do love your friend and do help out grandma. Do more good than bad. Do, 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 do. And it's a bunch of do-do, folks, I'm telling you. Every other philosophy, do, Christianity spells it this way. D-O-N-E, done. Done. It's already been done. By whom? Jesus Christ. He already did it. A seeker said to the pastor, Pastor, what must I do to be saved? The pastor said, you're too late. It's already been done. What is my part in salvation? Get lost. Get lost. Get lost. Romans 3.24 says, All of us need to be made right with God. Watch this. By His grace, which is a free gift. A free gift. And there is no better deal. I get a relationship with God based on what someone else has done. So grace is God's free gift. Gift, or 
See, we're moving along okay. R, grace is received through faith. Grace is God's free gift, and it is received through faith. Look at verse 8b again. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, what is faith? It means to rely, to depend, to believe. Why grace? Because you're not good and can't be good enough. Why faith? Because that's how you receive a gift, and that's how God gets all the glory. Folks, imagine how miserable we would be in heaven if we got there by working for it and earning it. By being better than the next guy. Imagine how miserable. Man, there'd be so much black. It'd be an award ceremony. It'd be, there'd be bragging and gloating and boasting and there'd be high class and there'd be low class dentists and there'd be middle class and skin of our teeth people in heaven dentists like you and me. I mean, there'd be some who on the front row and some on the back row. But no, it is a free gift. Why by faith? That's how you receive a gift. And that's how God gets all the glory for the work of His Son. You see, He did it. He gets the glory for it. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. And Isaiah 64, 6 says that even our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment before God. Your works won't atone for your sin. They're not perfect. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says people receive God's promise by having faith. This happens so the promise can be a free gift. The jailer cried out to Peter in Acts chapter 16, What must I do to be saved? Peter could have said, Just get lost. But Peter said, No, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Have faith. Faith toward Christ and you shall be saved. What does it mean to be saved, folks? It means that you're past is forgiven, your present is provided, and your future is secure. Did you get that? What's it mean to be forgiven? What's it mean to be free? What's it mean to be saved? That good old Bible word, saved. It means your past is forgiven, your present is provided with a person and a companion, and your future is secure. And so you're at peace. You get all those issues settled, then you can really enjoy life. The Bible is clear. You get them all settled by the grace of God. If they're not settled, you're in a world of hurt because your past is guilty, your present is alone, and your future is condemned. Did you get that? I said, if this is not settled, then your past is remembered and guilty and your present is alone and your future is condemned. Somebody shout out, oh my, oh no. But no, it's 
Oh, yes, by the grace of God, because grace means forgiven, provided, secured by the grace of God. But you've got to take it by faith. Everybody got it? Say got it. Good. A, it is available to everyone. Steve, don't look at me like that. Did you get it? It is available to everyone. Look at verse 8. B, for by grace you have been saved. And that you is plural. So it's you and you and you and you and you. It's whoever and everyone and anyone. God doesn't play favorites regardless of status or background or religious affiliation, or non-religious affiliation, or churched, or unchurched, regardless of sins committed, God's grace is available to you. Folks, i got to shout it out this morning. Willie, listen to me. No matter who you are or what you've done, God's grace is available to you. That's why we call this good news. Romans chapter 4 verse 16 says, The promise is not only for those that live under the law of Moses, it is for anyone who lives with faith like Abraham. Jew or Gentile. And so Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Faith. Believe. Rely, trust in Jesus Christ. This is for fat sinners and skinny sinners and beautiful people and tall people and short people and perfect attender people and first-time attender people. You don't get more credit because you've been here more. There's no discrimination. You can receive God's grace. It is available to everyone. Paul David Tripp, in his excellent book, The Humble Self-View of the Christian Life, says, I am my biggest problem. There's no bigger problem in my life than I am to myself because of the sin that lives inside of me. Second, I cannot solve this problem on my own. Third, I'm in desperate need of rescue. Four, I'm not wired to live well in isolation from others. Five, I need the wisdom and experience and insight of others. Six, no time before I cross over into eternity will I ever be a grace. And seven, grace is a school I will never graduate from. And seven, all this means that in my life I have absolutely no room for boasting because every good and perfect gift I didn't deserve or achieve is a result of God's grace and God's blessing and God's provision in my life. And how's it come? See, it comes through Christ. It comes through Christ. Grace is God's free gift. Grace is received through faith. Grace is available to everyone, and grace comes through Christ.
Look at verse 10b. It says we have been created in Christ Jesus. And friends, that is the only place it's available. It comes through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Look at verse 5, in Christ. Look at verse 6, in Christ. Look at verse 7, in Christ. Look at verse 10, in Christ. Where do you think it comes from? In Christ. Acts 15, 11 says, We believe that it is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. Only through Christ. So you say to me, John, why only through Christ? Why is Christ the way and the truth and the life? And no man comes to the Father except through Christ. What about all the Hindus? What about all the Buddhists? What about all the good boys and girls? who just do good but don't believe anything. Why is it only through Christ? Because only Christ paid for your forgiveness and supplies your righteousness. Think with me, gang. Why the exclusive claims of Christ? I mean, that's hard, isn't it? It's pretty narrow and exclusive. Why so narrow and exclusive? Why through God's Son, Christ? Because only Jesus paid for the bad you've done and supplies the good you need. Say it one more time. Only Jesus Christ pays for the bad you've done and that all human beings have done. And only Christ supplies the righteousness that you need to have a relationship with a holy God and get into a perfect place called heaven. He's the only one who paid for it. Now, don't look at me like that. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says that God made him Christ to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is very important. Only Jesus is qualified to pay for the bad you've done and the good you need. See, grace is free, but it's not cheap. Somebody has to pay for it. You don't. That's grace. He does. That's faith. That's how expensive your ticket to heaven was. It cost God, his son. Romans 5.15b says, Many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. No one else paid for the bad that you've done and the good you need. Jesus paid for it all. I explained to our FCA students and coaches, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it explains this truth. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says that man is on one side, sinful, and God is on the other side, 
holy and righteous and pure, and Christ Jesus is himself between them, the mediator, the bridge between them to bring them together. What's that look like right there? It looks like a cross. Man is on one side and God is on the other side. And Christ Jesus is himself between them to bring them together. Jesus and his cross is the bridge across the great divide. Remember that song? He's the bridge across the great divide. Only Christ pays for the bad you've done and the good that you need. Take your bulletin. I left my bulletin down there. You got a bulletin. Everybody got a bulletin. Take your bulletin. Put it in your hand for a second. 120 times in the Bible, the Bible says that the Christian, the one believing in Christ, is in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. One of the most important prepositional phrases in the Bible. In Christ. In Christ. Are you in Christ? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. That bulletin in your hand is a piece of paper. Let's let it represent you. In fact, let's let it represent more than just you. Let it represent the mistakes you've made. Every time you've made a mistake, you've fought something that was out of place or done something that was out of place, unloving toward God, toward yourself, or toward another, every time you've done something like that, put a little mark on that bulletin or just put a little tear in that bulletin. Put a little tear or a little crease or a little fold or a little tear it, tear it in two. Dennis, I need to tear mine in two. Every time we've made a mistake, put a little tear in that bulletin. It represents all your mistakes and all your blunders and all your rips. Now take that bulletin. We, we'll say the Bible. Let's let the written word represent the living word. Christ. So now take your bulletin that represents you with all its tears and all its rips and all its blunders and all its cracks and all its crevices. Take that bulletin and place it in the Bible. Place it in your Bible if you brought a Bible. Place it inside that Bible and then close that Bible. Now can you see that bulletin? No, I don't see that bulletin. Not now. All I see is the word, all I see is Christ because I've been placed in Christ. So that's how God sees you when he looks at you. You're hidden in Christ. When I'm in Christ, can you see my scars and my problems and my sins and my imperfections? No. All you can see when I'm in Christ is Christ. That's the way God sees you when you're in Christ 24-7. You see the scars and the mess and the imperfections, but all God sees is the perfection of Christ. Brennan Manning in his book, The Ragmuffin Gospel, writes about our tilted halos. He says that a man went to the doctor and said, Doc, I've got a splitting headache that goes all the way around my head. 
and it lingers and I can't get rid of it. Can you do anything about it? The doctor told the man, I think I can. I think I can. But first, let me ask you a couple of questions. He said, one, do you drink whiskey? The man said, no, I've never drunk the stuff. I hate the, the filthy stuff. Never have. The doctor said, well, do you smoke cigarettes? The man said, no, I, I've never smoked a cigarette, never touched them. I would not smoke. The doctor said, well, it's kind of a personal question, but, but let me ask you the question. Do you run around at night with women? The man said, I'll have, who do you think I am? I'll have you know I've been married 35 years to the same woman, never been with another woman even before we married. No, I don't run around at night with women. The doctor said, well, I think I've got, I think I've got the answer to your headaches. The man said, well, what is it? The doctor said, well, your halo is on too tight. We just got to loosen it some. If you think you can have a relationship with God or get into heaven based on your own merit, then your halo's on too tight. You need to loosen it some. It'll never happen. Let me say it like they say it in my hometown of Dillon. You don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Getting into heaven or having a relationship with God based on your own merit. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. We need to get there based on somebody else's batting average. Only Jesus supplies forgiveness for your sins and righteousness for you to have a relationship with God. And this grace is E, enjoyed for eternity. It is God's free gift. It is received by faith. It is available to everyone. It comes in one place. It comes through Christ alone, and it is enjoyed for eternity. Look in verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Look at, look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. And look at verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works, for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in Him. This, folks, grace is for all eternity. You are secure. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. It's why Paul said in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus See, gang, that is the result that will last forever. Grace is the gift that keeps on giving. When you get to know Jesus Christ and His grace and love, it gets better and better and better, and the best is yet to come. 
What is heaven? No pain, no fear, no depression, no guilt, no shame, no tears, no conflict, only joy and a party for eternity, and it will last forever. Somebody think with me, what a deal. By grace. There's only one catch. You have to accept it. You have to faith. You have to rely. You have to depend upon Christ. Any of you business people ever heard of Peter Drucker? Peter Drucker, the father, the grandfather, the guru of American management back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. He was a genius. He's been called the greatest thinker of management in the history of the world. He was a genius. In his 80s, Peter Drucker became a Christian. He was an Austrian-American. He was an Austrian Jew. In the 80s, he came to faith in Christ for the forgiveness of his sins and for new life. He became a Christian. And Peter Drucker said, when I finally understood grace, I realized I was never going to get a better deal than that. And beloved, you're never going to get a better deal than that. So down at the bottom of that crinkled up, torn bulletin, I want you to write out two boxes. Just write out two little boxes. Put two boxes. All right? First box is this. Accept. Accept the grace of God in Jesus Christ. I accept Christ as my forgiver and as my leader. I yield my life to Christ. Second box, write out this. Pass. Pass. It's all right. Write out. I take a pass or reject. Can I ask you respectfully, courteously, I hope, this morning, would you check one of those boxes? If it's a second, that's okay. Just be honest. Be honest. I'm not going to ask for your paper. This is not a test to turn in. But I'm going to ask you to check a box. Today, I will accept the grace of of God through Christ as my ticket to a relationship with God and into heaven. Or today, John, I appreciate your explanation, but I think I'll take a pass. That's okay. John chapter 1, verse 12. I mean, that's not okay, but that's okay. I respect your choice. John 1.12 says, But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God.
even to those who believe in his name. Everybody got it? Say got it. 